When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Welcome, everyone. We are going to look ahead at some of the biggest film releases coming up this late spring, summer, and even into the fall. And what a bounty it is. Even though we get reports on the state of the industry that are often so dire, there's a writer's strike looming, there are so many big movies coming out, interesting directors, buzzy titles. And what we're going to do today is run through a whole bunch of these, talk a little bit about them, and try our hand at predicting a bit if we think these are going to be a big box office hit, a critical success, what's going to happen with these movies. With me, returning favorite critic, author, moderator, Thelma Adams. Thank you so much for joining me. A pleasure. It gave me a chance to look forward instead of looking backwards and see what's coming up. There's so many, right? I mean, it feels like it's quite a bounty compared to the sort of COVID years we were stuck in for a while. There's a lot of biggies. There really are. There's a lot of big movies coming. And I think that the theme that we're going to, that's going to come up is that what's been successful at the box office post-COVID, semi-post-COVID, has been these movies that you, that are big. Too few people saw Tar. Uh, yeah. I mean, even several anticipated comic book films like Shazam and, and things like that were a bit of a disappointment. So things are difficult to predict. Super um, Mario Brothers. No one could have told me that that it's also because I'm not the I mean, I know my kids grew up playing the game and there's a huge audience for it. And yet I kind of was like, oh, who would want to see that movie? So there's also <laughs> this kind of. uh fracturing of the audience and the right. question of who's even going to the movies. We're going to start in a completely different direction than that, because I thought we'd start with a movie that already has just premiered. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid, starring Joaquin Phoenix, because we've both seen this one. And I thought it was worthy of a short little opening discussion. What did you think? <laughs> well, it could go longer. <laughs> I thought this was a kind of prime example of relatively young male auteur who did Midsummer and Hereditary, which both movies I really like. Midsummer I love because it's so kind of out there. And then he gets carte blanche and he, Ari Aster, makes this giant three-hour movie. Now, for me, unless it's Lawrence of Arabia or, you know, something a three-hour movie is a red flag like you so for me this movie was the story of a, an, a director a writer director who got to do everything he wanted and was not rain and was kind of not aware of what the audience would like 
Now, I think that looking at you, you might be might, might have liked it more than I did. It's it. This is so. It's such a difficult movie to talk about, you know, because it's so out there. It's so crazy. But first of all, I think it's amazing that we still get to see movies that someone can take these huge chances with that a24 can take these huge chances with it's a not a perfect movie but it was actually my favorite of his three (laughs) okay the the first hour of anxiety ridden guilt trip horror um i thought was a masterpiece I don't know what that says about me, but being in the head of someone who has and seeing what a panic attack looks like on screen, because this is obviously not a real street he lives on or a real apartment. It it is, but what he's seeing is in his head. We think. Yes, we think. The suburban nightmare family that he ends up with that are suppressing grief so much that they're literally... I don't want to say too much here, but I mean, that is, I thought also it was incredible. Patti Lapone at the end of the movie is going to go down in history as a mama Norman Bates. Fantastic. <laughs> she does it so well. I thought the whole mother guilt trip. Then there's a part in the middle for me, for those who haven't seen them. I and basically he's in the forest and it's a theater group that I thought meandered. And, and didn't work for me as much. So, I mean, it's in no way perfect, but I have to say I, it's the one of his three that I really have thought about afterwards and mm-hmm. have discussed. And, and, but, and I also thought it was just a beautiful film. Visually, it was so interesting. Visually. And, so the basic story is this, just so people know. The basic story is Bo, played by Joaquin Phoenix, at his most unattractive middle-agedness, like the, like his ball, you know, his male pattern balding, whether they made it or not, this his horrible clothes, his pudginess. And he is he is planning to go visit his mother. And he can't kind of get out the door. She dies, and then it becomes his odyssey to get to the funeral because he's her only son. So that's kind of the the story is that. Now for me, that opening with all the anxiety, he's living like the Omega man in an urban apartment and he's freaked out and he's scared and he's... Um, Everything he can be scared of is elevated. The violence on the streets. I mean, people are literally shooting fighters. each other. He has to run over it, fires. The medication he has to take, if he doesn't take it exactly as instructed, he starts Googling. One can recognize these things in small doses. <laughs> right. So for me, as a moviegoer, I was like, I have enough anxiety like based <laughs> in reality that I found that... Um, I didn't really need to step into this man's anxiety. But okay, so let's say we do. I respect that. Let's say we do. And that's, you know, bottom line, Phoenix is great the whole movie. Right. And the casting is great. Um, Parker Posey, Patti Lapone, both incredible. Yeah. And and Nathan Lane. Yes. um, And Amy Ryan are this suburban couple. And they're they're kind of in that very much that hereditary midsummer way where they seem normal at first, but it's not exactly. exactly. But it but I felt like the lumps, the beginning, the suburban part. Then there's there's the 
wild theater camp section. Exactly. Let's call it theater camp, you know, stage camp section where he's out in the wilderness and there's this makeshift theater. And it turns out it's kind of the story of his life, maybe, or what his life could have been. It's beautiful visually. It goes into animation, the costumes, the way it's structured. All of these things are wow. I just didn't think the whole thing cohered. I mean, it definitely is uneven. There, I think he, as you were saying at the beginning, he got carte blanche. And with a little bit of adjustments here and that, for me at least, because for me, the beginning was emotionally engaging right. and actually really funny. I was laughing a lot, um, but it did, it, it is an uneven film. I mean, no doubt about it. So, well, interesting. What do you think in terms of did solid business this second week in the States where it's gone? I think it's up to 3 million. Feels like Ariaster has a, a fan club. Now that they all have yeah. seen it stateside, do you think that this will it's go well? It has a $35 million budget. Which he, he got a lot from, out of his $35 million. It's not a $200 million, It's $35 million. And at the screening I went to in the other theater, I was in the Overflow Theater, Martin Scorsese was interviewing Ari Aster. So clearly people see him as a serious filmmaker. I just think if you believe that artists should be able to fail, try things and fail, then in this case, or, you know, not knock it out of the park, then I think you've got to go out and try different things that it doesn't all fit together. Okay. And honestly, now I'm looking forward to Napoleon with Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix. Because he we'll had that, see Napoleon in his, in his odd balding head, you know? I could see it coming, so. Either way, if it's not a financial success for A24, I don't think that that really matters to them because I think this is, they are so credibility and, and their their whole name, the whole A24 brand and, and being able right. to really put money into someone like Ari Aster. I'm I am curious to see how much of a tail it has how much repeat business but I think you're right that people are Ari Aster fans and if you if you're that person you would go mm -hmm. and in my case since I loved Midsummer, I would have gone anyway well let's move on to another beloved male auteur who once was young, at least, and that's Wes Anderson, because in June, he's coming back with Asteroid City, story by Roman Coppola. It's going to be out in June. It'll be out in Cannes before. Um, looks very, very Wes Anderson-y, as most of his films do. It follows some transformative events that occur at an annual junior stargazer convention in 1955 and has a huge cast, including Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Tilda Swinton, Brian Cranston. I can go on and on and on. Are you looking forward to a new Wes? Kind of hope springs eternal. Mm -hmm. It's hard from a trailer to know if this is a, a Wes Anderson movie that really lands or not, because you see all of the amazing little things. And I, you know, I love Jason Schwartzman and his brand of irony, you know, his deadpanness often. 
Sorry, which Wes Andersons have landed for you and which haven't? Um, Moonrise Kingdom. Mm. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, one of my, my absolute favorites. Favorite. But you could watch the trailer from Grand Budapest Hotel and this trailer, and you wouldn't know which ones worked. You know, the trailer is always going to feel Wes Anderson-y. Let's, let's see if this has um, some kind of plot or connection so that you feel for these characters. Because sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But I am a, I'm overall, I would say I'm a Wes Anderson fan. I just love seeing a new Wes Anderson trailer. Um, I'm a huge Rushmore fan. Um, the Royal Tannenbaums to me is his absolute best. I'm always looking forward to Wes Anderson. The more Wes anderson <laughs> the better for me. <laughs> but of course, I'm, I know what you're saying. Sometimes it gets so big and the cast is so huge and the stories are so disjointed and that you don't get that connection with the character as you would, for example, in Ten and Bobby, right. when like Ultra's character, right. where, where you feel just oh, emotionally wrecked. And sometimes that sort of eludes him because the the creativity is so big and and. So that's what I'm hoping for, because this cast is immense. <laughs> so I'm hoping immense. it doesn't get lost in, in there. Otherwise, I'm yeah. always looking forward to him. Yeah, I would I would agree. I would want to be there first night. Yeah, yes. first chance I get to see it, I want to go. When it goes to Cannes and it gets reviewed, I'll be looking at the opening two paragraphs, but I don't read reviews before I see something any more than that, because yeah. I want to be able to go in fresh. God knows we've been watching Succession. And if you don't see it the <laughs> night it comes out. You're, that's it. <laughs> you're, then you as Brian lose. Cox would say, you're fucked. <laughs> you're fucked, as Brian Cox would say. And you've talked to him and he probably yeah. said, you're fucked to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Moving on in June, we have, which is very talked about today, um, as you and I are speaking, and that's The Flash, because that premiered and is talked about at the convention CinemaCon. Um, now, this is a film directed by Andre Muschietti, and it stars Ezra Miller as Barry Allen, The Flash, Michael Keaton. Now, as everyone probably knows, there's huge controversy around Ezra Miller, who I think they call himself they, so I don't say wrong. They have been involved in some sort of crime spree all over Hawaii and police issues. And um, so that's yeah. going to be a big issue with this movie. Also, there's a certain amount of comic book fatigue, as we can see, like in Ant-Man and Shazam didn't go too well this year. What do you think about The Flash? The word from CinemaCon is that it's incredibly good. Well, the, the Ezra Miller thing is interesting because he is a Hollywood baby, started very young. They started very young. He's adopted the pronoun of they. The question is whether he'll be able to, one of the reasons he acts the way he does, and he's a great actor, but one of the things is that he's in touch with so much chaos. And I don't know if he'll, I'm amazed that the corporation has let it go this far and kept him in. Jonathan Majors, you know, example, boom. One minute, the cover of what, like Esquire, and the next minute, um, I only say we'll see. And Batgirl, which e didn't even have any controversy, but was already done. 
about to be released that they just uh, didn't release for tax reasons. So it's easy enough for them to say, no, we're not doing this one. We're not doing that one. That is almost less of a problem that of people behaving badly. Let's put it that way. Okay. So Ezra Miller, person who behaved badly. And then, you, you know, there's a range between one and 10, you know, Tucker Carlson, <laughs> la, la, la. But I think this idea of the corporation shutting down something is the is very dangerous. The movie's in the can, and I do not think I think that there's an arrogance among corporate leaders where they think they know what's good, what sells. And as we saw, kind of in the in the HBO Max becoming Max, losing its identity. All of these things that we love that really stepped out of the box. Once they get bought by some huge corporate thing, there's a danger that you won't get the relatively daring storylines. Yes, like something like Everything Everywhere All at Once, which took no one saw coming would take every single Oscar and box office. And that's because, again, like you you were saying A24, that's because they have independence relatively. You know, basically our, you know, HBO Max was just emasculated. Who knows where they'll be? What happened to Discovery? All of these big changes will have an impact on what we see and the movies we see. But this one, The Flash, is definitely not a small, as we can see, it won't be canceled irregardless of Ezra Miller's um, background or, or what is yeah. what, I, what my prediction is that this is going to go gangbusters. It's going to be huge. Everyone says it's great. Everyone says they are great. Ezra Miller, Keaton, but they're not going to use Ezra Miller in publicity as much as they. Yeah, I think that's a good idea that they would be able to do. And I, I am with you on that. When you have the Flash and Batman and you have Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton, and Ezra Miller, who, however cuckoo he is, and I don't want to make light of what he's done, however, whatever crimes he's committed, he's a very committed actor, and his performance will be great, whatever, or their performance will be great, whatever the backstory Well, let's move on to another huge franchise that we already know a lot about, and that's Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, also coming in June and premiering in Cannes, directed by James Mangold. So this is going to be the fifth and final installment in the Jones film series. It stars Harrison Ford, uh, again, as the archaeologist Indiana Jones. We have wonderful Phoebe Waller-Bridge is going to be, Antonia Banderas. We're going to get to see a de-aged Harrison Ford in this movie, at least for, I think, about 30 minutes of it. What do you think? Are the kids interested in in Indiana Jones? I've got to say, Harrison Ford, he's having a hair renaissance. (laughs) Harrison Harrisona, whatever you would call it. Um, He's currently in Shrinking and he's so good and he's in 1923. I, these are the movies I love. I love Indiana Jones movies and they're really rooted in those old Hollywood serials. And I think Harrison Ford just brings it in something like this. He's all, you know, 
if you watch him in shrinking, he is so funny and so good. He still has it. And he and his ego is at not at all in the way. And I love these movies. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, great addition. And it'll just be a really fun adventure. James Mangold is a very good director. Good choice. Ford v. Ferrari and Logan. Yeah, and he's in the indie world, so he really also makes sure that the characters that the characters are multidimensional. And he ha- does have enough experience to do the big tricks that he's going to have to do. And this is the kind of movie, again, where you could go see it on a date. You could see it with your partner. You could see it with your girlfriends or what, you know, your friend circle. And you can take your kids and have a good time. And I think one of the things that remains about going to the movies is if you're a parent of children, it gets you out of the house. It's an event. It's a memory. Yeah, you're but that was that, it hasn't been that way until until Super Mario, really. People didn't go to the Pixar movies the past year or so, even with family after COVID was opening up. Right. I think um, it's just so expensive, you know. I think it's so expensive. I think that, I mean, we're talking about the movies that are coming up. I think there's a huge dilemma. And we don't know yet what, what's going to solve it. The, all of the consolidation is not going to solve it. And if it's good, people will go see it. The little movies are more in danger yeah. than a movie like that. That one has a pedigree, has a big star. It has, you know, generations invested in that series. And it hasn't been overworked like the star wars episode 29 you know milked to the end (laughs) my thought is that that's like one of the ones i'm really looking forward to this summer yeah i my prediction is that also that this is going to be a hit i don't think it's going to be quite as big a hit as the flash because i do think the younger generation has have a couple movies to choose from before they go see this one but then they will if a word of mouth is great I want to mention a smaller movie here. I didn't get a chance to see it. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. But it's one of the most buzzed about films out of the early festivals, and that's Past Lives. Um, It's also coming in June. It's a romantic drama directed by Celine Song, um, her directorial debut with Greta Lee. And it follows like a reunion of two childhood friends and then their new relationship today and what I'm seeing and hearing and reading from people when they have just seen it it feels like this could be one of the big Oscar buzzy movies very possible I I saw it in Berlin I saw it when I just got there and it was 9 a.m and I'm like okay I had kind of it had been over buzzed for me like my expectations were too high so I actually am going to see it again 
<laughs> the distributors giving me shit for for thinking that saying that it was overhyped. So I I'm gonna go give it another try because when you're jet lagged and it's 9 a.m. and I know I can say this about it: the performances are fantastic, and it's a romantic story that you have not seen before. Okay, well, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I, I want to hear what you see on a second viewing to see if yeah, it melts I, your heart. Yeah, maybe my heart's just too <laughs> made of tin. Oh, I Thelma. don't know on that. <laughs> Well, moving on to another huge June release is, of course, Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. So this is the first part of two that I think are going to be the last kind of, of the Mission. <laughs> so the last part of the Mission Impossible films, again, written, produced, and directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Will Tom Cruise pull it off again? Do you see this being the same amount of box office gold as Top Gun? Yeah, I actually, maybe not exactly because Top Gun was only, had only a movie like years ago. Mission Impossible, now you're on this. The, the only thing that scares me about this is part one. <laughs> like, okay, one thing about Tom Cruise and he produces it and he's the star and he almost kills himself every time with the stunts. He's someone who understands what a blockbuster audience wants. And he may kill himself trying to do the stunts, but he really does know. And do I love Tom Cruise? No, not particularly as a human, but I would say he has taken the Mission Impossible franchise and just, he knows how to make it work. And people will pay money to go to the movies for something that they know will entertain them. They know, you know, it's like getting good and plenty or getting a Cadbury chocolate bar, you know, it's going to taste good. So, you know, this Mission Impossible will deliver. It's a kind of a sure thing. Do you have a different opinion? A, a little bit. I mean, I'm com comparing to Top Gun Maverick, which took me by surprise a bit, the how incredibly, enormously successful it was yeah. with all generations. I, I didn't really see younger generations taking to this kind of old fashioned story so that that success no I don't think he'll do that again um the year after with if you like the Mission Impossible films then you go and see this um and I think there's so many things competing with it in June um in a way that Top Gun didn't have that I, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be a flop but it's not going to be the gangbusters or success that he had last year okay I you know I feel like it's inevitable and i feel like he owns us all to tom cruise <laughs> moving on to july i want to mention joyride which was really had a lot of buzz out of um, south by southwest which is also a feature directorial debut a comedy by adele lim i think i'm gonna love this movie it's ashley park sherry cola stephanie hugh uh, sabrina Wu. it's a bunch of childhood friends who accompany their former roommates on a journey to China to find one of the girl's birth mothers. And it looks like an hysterical comedy, crazy, crazy scenarios, really raucous and out there. And, and I think my prediction for this one is that this could really be the breakout small hit that really everyone is talking about. Yeah. And Stephanie Hugh really has, has stepped up 
Yes. You know, she's in Mrs. Mrs. Maisel. She stepped off. So she's, I think that people are recognizing the talent that's in this. And it just looks like a good time. And it is part of this, the rising, like beef, the rising tide of Asian American filmmakers, artists, finding a voice in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And that, and I think that that is a recipe for success. Moving on in July, another movie that I have, I think is going to be huge. Um, it's interesting to think, see what you think. That is Greta Gerwig's Barbie, co-written yeah. with her partner, Noah Baumbach. It's based on the doll, the Barbie doll, um, live action with Margot Robbie, who also is producing this and actually brought Greta Gerwig into this. Ryan Gosling plays Ken and a huge supporting cast. Crazy huge. Yeah. Crazy huge. The trailers, the teasers for me have all looked like they couldn't have chosen a better team than Greta and Noah to elevate this IP that we all grew up with to new levels. Can it, can there be feminist ideas in here? Are there going to be stuff for adults and kids? What is the tone? I think it looks like it could be amazing. What do you think? Well, it has really good buzz. From the, from the screenings that have been in L.A., the kind of secret screenings, and then you hear that everybody is ecstatic about it. Um, I, from watching the trailer, I, I couldn't tell. Like, you know, it's funny bit, funny bit, funny bit. Hope springs eternal. I actually am not going to ignore the buzz and be positive about it and think, okay, because I always have this thing, and if Greta Gerwig was bought, brought in by Margot Robbie, I mean, she's at the top of her game right now, Ryan Gosling. I kind of, and Greta and I may disagree on this, I kind of wanted her to go in a direction more like Lady Bird, where she was telling stories that were, that were completely original to Hollywood because she had access. It's not my career, it's her career. But she's and done so many she, of those. So let's see. I, you know, I, I feel like the buzz that's bringing it in is very positive. And Marco Robbie, who had two Love very her. big <laughs> busts this year, but still was wonderful in everything she was in. There's possibility. I, you know, we'll see when I see it. She's such an interesting producer, though. I mean, she really has produced, her company's produced everything from I, Tanya to Promising Young Woman. Um, I think she has an eye for interesting female characters with a sort of sarcastic, not that's the wrong word, but an, an, a different tone, a tonality that have something to say underneath. But my prediction is, because strangely enough, if they don't move it, which I actually think they should, Barbie is premiering on the same weekend as Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. <laughs> Always looking forward to him. So these are going to go head to head. Um, this is the upcoming biographical film. He's written and directed it about um, J. Robert Oppenheimer and the father of the atomic bomb and his role in the Manhattan Project with also a huge ensemble. Let's just say there's been work for everyone this year. <laughs> everyone from Robert Downey Jr. to Matt Damon to Rami Malek, Florence Pugh, Kenneth Branagh. I mean, that's just some of them. Um, this is... This is the same weekend as Barbie at the moment. And I'm predicting that Barbie 
is going to win big this weekend. Fascinating prediction. (laughs) Playing the title role is Killian Murphy, who is a great actor, and I'm a Peaky Blinders addict. So love him. And I'm interested to see it. You know, it's like Chris Nolan is a serious filmmaker. He's writing about the Manhattan, you know, it's a movie about the Manhattan Project. So the question maybe is, is there enough room for two movies that have very different audiences and moods? But these are two serious Um, filmmakers. Well, okay. She's a serious filmmaker trying, doing this. I'll Mm -hmm. give you that. Prediction. We'll see. We'll have to talk again after. I just think. We'll have to talk again, but that's a big weekend. The tail end of which one goes better, that we'll have to wait and see. But I think if they continue to be on the same weekend, I think it's going to be really interesting. And they'll have legs, which is important. It's important to bring people back into the theaters second week, third week, fourth week and on. Um, Another movie I think is going to, I predict is going to be huge in July is a super small horror movie called Talk to Me, which I saw at Sundance directed by two brothers from New Zealand who already are huge Instagram stars, Danny and Michael Philippou, um, which basically is a super small movie about young woman um, and her friends who are embroiled in sort of a seances that they do um, in the evenings to get kicks, really sort of teenagers. And it was really, really, really good with the teeny was tiny Was it really budget. scary? The, it, the trailer it, looks scary. It's scary and it's pretty gory, that, that to be warned. But I think you know, in this huge summer of big, this could be also one of those little, little things that suddenly people just, what, what happened there? Like Um, a Jordan Peele, like an early Jordan Peele movie. Exactly. And all of a sudden it it could, thinking of how we all reacted seeing it Sundance, I think this could be something that a lot of kids go to see. Um, You know, the ones who don't want to see Barbie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a lot of choice. Moving on a little bit to the rest of the year, we have three big movies we want to talk about. One is Killers of the Flower Moon, Scorsese's huge movie that will be out in Cannes, but it'll be out in October based on the 2017 um, nonfiction book by David Graham about the Oklahoma murders in Osage Nation. I think it was in the 20s, right? This is his seventh outing with Leonardo DiCaprio, great cast with Jesse Plemons. And you that are a little sensitive to how long movies are, I think this is 340. 340? Yeah. <laughs> so he's in he's in Irishman territory here. It's a I, big know, swing for Apple. It's a $200 million budget. What do you think? I mean, could this be a theatrical hit? What does Apple have to gain? I mean, I'm always there for Scorsese, so I will be there. Yeah, that's the thing. (laughs) Apple has to gain this. Scorsese. The gold standard. You know? If you you have Scorsese on your team at Apple, it's a status thing. Now, there's good Scorsese and bad Scorsese. I, myself, um, and De Niro's in this movie as well. Yes. Um... I am in the minority. Leo doesn't do it for me. Young Leo was great. But as an adult, he's not my favorite star. So we'll have to see. It's a fascinating story. It's a fascinating chapter of American history. And obviously, it's Oscar bound. 
given its placement in the, you know, in the fall lineup. So we, it won't be long before we can see if it runs, if it works. Because I love DiCap DiCaprio. I thought he was amazing in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think he's really, he's, he's such an interesting actor. He doesn't feel like he's desperately trying to be young in action movies and franchises and he's working with his big directors he's doing interesting projects and I actually think that that this could be bigger than the Irishman I think this could have more broad appeal in terms of DiCaprio in terms of of the themes of the film I agree I don't know what's happening theatrically with these Apple films I mean then if people really will wait for it to get to Apple and then we won't even know the numbers. But in terms of Oscar and things like that, I think it could, as you're saying, get a lot of buzz. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it's an Oscar contender. If you look at this whole group, there's no question. And we'll know more at the end of the month after con, when it, when, you know, it, it premieres, we'll have a, different sense of what's going to happen. Two two more here. I've jumped over one in August that we have to talk about, and that's another Oscar contender, I think, and that's Helen Mirren and Golda, um, the biographical yeah. drama. Which um, I saw in Berlin. Tell us. I really liked it, and mm-hmm. I think she's amazing, and it's kind of a movie like The Queen or um, when she played Margaret Thatcher. I'm sorry, Meryl played Margaret Thatcher. It's it's one of these, she just steps in. Helen Mirren's so beautiful and so sophisticated. And she steps into Golda Meir's um, orthopedic shoes, basically. And she has like fat ankles and her skin's all spotty. And she's chain smoking. And she has, and it's at this crisis moment. And it's really the portrait of this groundbreaking Israeli leader, female leader, at a moment of crisis. Now, one of the problems is going to be that some people will not know who Golda Meir is. We all know who the queen was. Um, We all know who Margaret Thatcher was. Uh, But also the fact that Israel right now is in such a, and has always been, but is right now in such a complicated political place that there may be people who think it's a falsely positive picture of Golda Meir and her legacy. And so it might become, it's one of those movies where it's not just what's on the screen, it's also what people are currently thinking about Israel and its place in the world. So that that is gonna, that's gonna interest me because it will get a lot of responses not just within the film community, but like in op-eds in the paper, in newspapers about this portrayal of Golda Meir. But I really, really, really liked her in it and liked her characterization. Barring discussions and what could happen with the film, is she Oscar worthy? Yes. It also then depends on how many how many people how many women are up for best course, actress, yeah. like mm-hmm. where that whole, and whether people feel like there are other parts of this film that kind of, you know, push her ahead. But yeah, she, yes. I don't think you can think about next year's best actress category without considering Helen Mirren as Golda. 
Well, let's do the last one, worthy of being the last big picture. I think both Napoleon and Ridley Scott would say so, that they have their <laughs> epic historical drama coming out in November, as it seems right now, unless they change that. As you were mentioning at the top of the show, Joaquin Phoenix, we started with him, we're ending with him. He is Napoleon. And it depicts, of course, the French leader's rise to power. Vanessa Kirby plays Empress Josephine. We have Tara Rahim in it, Ben Miles. Ridley Scott, what is he's almost 90 now, isn't he? Yeah, he's, but he, you know, I talked to him at one point for variety and we talked about that. And he's like, I just, you know, and this was five, seven years ago, he was like, I know how to make a movie now. <laughs> you know, now I want to be sure it does. You know, he does, and he's not known for a long time, but um, there's nothing slowing him down. And I think this is the kind of movie that's going to be better for Joaquin Phoenix. And I can't wait. Good, A good Napoleon is hard to find. Mm -hmm. And I love Vanessa Kirby. And it will be both a sweeping historical, a love story, and <laughs> a portrait of someone who is maniacal. So what, I mean, that seems to me, you know, looking back at Gladiator, looking back, that, that that's something I'm looking forward to, a well-made movie about Napoleon. I believe they showed a bunch of really epic battles at the CinemaCon. There's right. some good stuff. I think this is going to be huge. I mean, if Ridley Scott does what he, when he does it well, does well, that he really brings out the relationships between these huge epic people that you really don't just get the battles, but you get the interpersonal succession -y, um relationships that, that right. you can bring Succession-y relationship yeah. stuff. Yeah. I think this is this could be amazing. Um also an Oscar contender and and I'm really looking forward to this. I mean it could be a bomb too that he doesn't can't really control yeah, I, that I narrative. It's gonna be a bomb. I have a question though. Where where do House we think? House of <laughs> but apparently Joaquin Phoenix is doing his regular accent in it. Luckily, he's not trying to do some kind of Frenchy French. Yeah, I, yeah. House of Gucci, yes. Lady Gaga, <laughs> yes. I understand that. Um, he had back to back movies that didn't exactly hit. <laughs> we'll just say that some people disagree with me on that, but I, I'm curious to see this year. Like, where are the Oscars going? You know, as we see um, Past Lives, the movie we talked about that I saw in Berlin, if you, we see these these kind of smaller movies marching towards Oscar, we're looking at the big ones. But we did just come out of a season of Oscar campaigning that was way too long, and then the payoff was not that great. Well, I was so, very happy. I really liked everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, yes, I agree. All these big auteurs, I mean, Steven Spielberg and the other one that historically would have been the winners at the Oscars 10, 15, 20 years ago, that seems to be not happening anymore. So maybe Ridley Scott and Scorsese and these bigger ones that we're talking about will take the backseat to something like Past Lives. Oscar well, we'll have to see. I think in the end, there's a lot of change in the industry, a lot of consolidation, a lot of change in terms of gender parity and bringing in Asian Americans, African Americans, you know, really being inclusive. All of these changes are happening. Uh, and 
the primacy really of TV, the way that TV has sucked so much chat talent. Um, the conversation is really TV. It's going to be a very important year to see if, because people are sort of divided. Are people going back to theaters? Or are people not going back to the theaters? And I think this summer could really give the indication whether yeah. people are, because the restrictions are over. Um, there's huge movies with all kinds of genres for everyone's taste. If people still don't go out to see the movies in any form of numbers, it's going to be right. sort of an indication that something really big has happened in terms of theatrical. Right. It's interesting. I have a local and everybody has their local art house theater. Ours is upstate films um, or the star theater and the documentary filmmaker Robert Stone and I have started doing film club, which is much less, <laughs> much more relaxed. This week we showed the Little Richard documentary by Lisa Cortez, which is fantastic. Really but it fantastic. was a Thursday night. The theater maybe held 120. We got about 180 people who came talked about the movie. It wasn't like we talked about it on stage for a half an hour and everyone went home. We then adjourned to a bar and everybody can talk about the movie or anything else they want to talk about. And I think that there's probably ways in terms of art house movies where you're going to have to, you're going to have to create a local community eventize something nice to drink something to talk about i think so too i think you have to do something else for the audience today to get them into the theater e either it's a bunch of really great night for a bunch of teenage kids who want to see their um, superhero they want to have popcorn they want to be scared at the horror movie and kiss and you know th it's an event for a whole group of people or you right. have the art house you don't get a lot of people just let's go see a movie on a friday they can stay home and see fantastic succession but if you do what you're doing then you get people in for discussions there's a little bit of extra i think going to the movies is much more of an event for all ages and we showed and we showed old movies. We showed The Conformist, the Bertolucci movie, mm -hmm. and a lot of people had not seen that one. And so we had a great discussion afterwards over margaritas. You know, we've been showing different ones to see. And also, I just want to emphasize that there are so many good documentaries coming oh, out. So good. Also, and just put in a word for the Little Richard documentary by Lisa Cortez that will ultimately be on CNN and Max, but now is in theaters. Yeah, um, I loved it. And definitely yeah. take the time to go see that. Um, absolutely. But Thelma, what we're going to do is we'll have to sometime come November, December, remember what we said, and we'll meet up again and see how wrong we'll or how right this. we were. Yes. <laughs> how right or wrong we were. Yeah. Thank and then you we very much for inviting me. It's such a pleasure. Thank you so much again. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.